tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In Guitar Lesson 19A, Dan and I look at a backing track from YouTube in E minor at 137 beats per minute. First, Dan explains how to play the rhythm sections and the makeup of the chords. Secondly, Dan introduces the concept of legato, which is widely used by Joe Satriani. And this episode then ends with a demonstration of an improvisation over this backing track. So Dan, particularly in some of the modal exercises, I found myself using pictures of Joe Satriani quite a lot. I hope, I hope not for dodgy purposes. <laughs> well, it's always dodgy purposes with Joe Satch, isn't it? But yeah, I wondered if we could maybe have a little look at some of the styles he uses and possibly some of the techniques as well. Sure, absolutely. Joe Satriani, strange being from another planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Surfs with them, doesn't he? <laughs> well, it certainly does. I um, I love Joe Satriani's playing. I've seen him live as well. He's got a real melodic edge to him. With Joe Satriani, the difference, I think, over some guitar players of his ilk and his era is that he knows the hooks. Yeah. He knows where the melody lines sort of lie. I mean, he knows the melody lines so well that he ended up in a court battle with Coldplay, which he won. Yeah, I remember that. Because there was a melody that they used on, say, La Vista V or whatever their song was, which was exactly the same as his melody from I Wish I Could Fly. Yeah. Who knows how it got on there, whether they thought, oh, this guy's really obscure and they nicked the melody, or whether it was just in the back of someone's mind and they hadn't clocked that it belonged to someone else. Either way, one of the biggest sort of stadium groups of our time (laughs) (laughs) ends up in court with Joe Satriani... Because their hooks were the same. Yeah. I think that tells you something. The thing with the way that he kind of approaches things is often it's quite songy. There's quite a melodic edge to things. You know, while there is the mad guitar stuff and the crazy guitar things that go on and all the trem antics and all those sorts of things that we expect to hear, there's often quite a strong sort of core melody. Yeah. I remember my guitar teacher used to say to me, oh, you've got to be able to sing the line. There's a lot of truth in that. When you sing something, there's no barrier between you and the guitar. You open your mouth and it comes out. If you can't sing, in your head is not what's going to come out. <laughs> At least you know what you meant. Yeah. In terms of Joe Satriani's style, he's an interesting one to look at because there's kind of quite a lot of stuff going on here. There's a real understanding of harmony and a real understanding of how the modes work. And it's interesting, if you go way back to some of his really, really early albums, some of it was really quite experimental. Um, some of the scales which were used and, and things like that. He used On one of his early songs, he used a scale called the Enigmatic Scale, 
I'd need to look it up to tell you exactly <laughs> what it was. But yeah, he was quite experimental in what he was doing. He was obviously sort of feeling his way and figuring out what he liked and what people liked and how it all fitted together. It seems like he's taught anyone who's anyone as well on the uh, uh, west coast of America, it seems. He's, he's had a few people who are, who are quite well-renowned for sort of going to him for lessons, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Ironically, Kirk Hammett, who went to him for lessons, although Kirk Hammett's a good player, there's some things about Kirk Hammett's playing one I'm not such a fan of, but, you know, everyone's got their favourites. But, yeah, he certainly had a, a reasonably decent clientele list, which mm. included Steve Vai. Yeah. And I think Steve Vai sort of turned up to his house, you know, like, with a guitar in one hand and a pack of strings in the other. Literally, that's what happened. <laughs> he didn't even know how to put the strings on the guitar. Teach me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe Satriani... He's a, a very interesting guy to look at. From a guitar player's point of view, there's a lot you can get from looking at Joe Satriani. As I say, a lot of his playing is quite modal. Yeah, He's the guy who, who, who said this line, which I always latched onto because I think it, it's just so brilliant. He said, in an ideal world, you should know what's above, below, and to the left and the right of every single note you're playing. In other words, you should know what all of the note options are around the note you're playing yep. in a given key. And... From the point of view of knowing your way around, that's good advice. Yeah, that's a deep knowledge. <laughs> it is a deep yeah. knowledge. So a deep, deep sort of seated fretboard knowledge. What we'll do is we'll look at some of the things that are maybe sort of very well known in his playing. Because we're, we're going to try and centre this lesson, maybe not just on his style, but we, we've chosen legato as the thing to look at. And, and of course, legato is an important part of Joe Satriani's style. I realise it's an important part of a lot of guitar players' styles. But I think for the people who listen and, and probably want someone that they'll they'll instantly know and that latch on to and be able to understand easily enough, Joe Satriani's as good a bet as anyone. I mean the other guy who was prolific in using legato was Alan Holdsworth. Do we have the hours in the day to even dissect one or two Alan Holdsworth things? <laughs> Possibly not. Um, you maybe do but I definitely don't right. <laughs> Joe, Joe Satriani kind of adheres to maybe more sort of straightforward lines of of what we might understand in a given yeah. key and a given a given melody so we have a backing track in the style of which we've whipped off YouTube so the title the title's rock guitar backing track Joe Satriani style number two E minor 137 beats per minute and it's by uh, Vito Astoni. And it's a pretty good, pretty good backing track. We've got quite a sort of sparse verse, and it's got that floaty feel, which will enable us to to get jiggy with it. Lydian when it comes from the gato. Well, it's actually in straight E minor, but there's also a little bit where it can hop into harmonic minor, just for one chord. You know, yeah, just replacing the D for a D sharp. In terms of, of Lydian, it's not sort of set in the Lydian mode. Joe Satriani does use the Lydian mode a fair bit, mm. but there's probably not... You know, if you think of his back catalogue, I wouldn't say there's loads and loads of tracks with it listed absolutely everywhere. Yeah, it's a really major mode as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, brighter I mean, than that, even. I mean, probably... What's the song that's most well-known... There's a, there's a lick in uh, Tears in the Rain, isn't there? But just a lick, I think. Flying in a Blue Dream. Yeah, I think that's... Would be, that would be the song that's uh, littered with Lydian. 
Yeah. So how do you want to approach this? What's the first thing we're going to do, Gary? Can we have a look at what the backing track is actually doing and uh, look sure. at the rhythm of that and how to play that, maybe? Okay, so we said at the beginning that uh, Joe Satriani has a very good handle on on sort of harmony and chords. So I'm going to go through this. I'm just going to play the first section. That's one round of the verse. Okay. So essentially what we've got is a repeated figure with different bass notes. So how you choose to play this is up to you, but we've basically got the fourth fret on the D. Now this is in the key of E minor, so that's the ninth note. Yeah. You've got open G and then the third fret on the B. on the A string but the top remains the same right. and the bass note changes to A okay then up to D then it's so, a, so the top stays the same for all of that and goes E, C, A, D. Yeah. It's loosely outlining the chords E minor, C, A minor, D. Yep. Obviously, if you're looking for the absolute chords, we're getting an E minor 9. say at the outset for those who want to dissect this track absolutely precisely because we've done it very roughly in a very short space of time um yeah you know yeah we may we've definitely got the chords right but you know if you want to get the precise amount of hits on each single string and all the, that rep and the, the patterns and everything absolutely perfect yeah by all means be our guest we sort of throw this together by just sort of finding a satriani track and going for it yeah so I'll play along what I've just played with the track. Mm. 
Sounds about right. Yeah. So that kind of rocks along nicely with the track. No problem there. Yep, good stuff. When we get to the chorus section, it's fairly straightforward chords. So I'm going to run it and call it. This is our verse continuing on. Bit of keyboard in the background. Chorus, I believe. So for the chorus, we've got C, B minor, E add 9, E minor 9, sorry. So it's B minor, E minor 9, which is so just knock the A string out. Yeah. That's not the first chord we played. That's repeated. Okay. That's ultimately that. And then the last one, the third time, C. B minor, A minor, D, and then B with a D sharp in the bass. Which we're playing on the bar across the fourth fret of the D, G, and bar B strings. The fourth fret. And the sixth fret on the A gives us our D sharp in the bass. Yep. So we're there. So that's just a standard C with a B minor on the second fret, and yep. then uh, e the minor E minor was. First chord. That sounds right. I've got the E minor. So you can do it like that. We also cover the A string on the second fret. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's the same as a B minor, really. So that's that's basically sort of how it how it sits. In terms of dissecting Joe Satriani's style, obviously this is a backing track, just so we can sit the lead over the top of it. But there are certain elements which are quite interesting, such as keeping the top notes fairly the same in a chord. Yeah, it's a fairly typical thing. We've heard it before. Do you know where you'll have heard this back in 1987? Go on. <laughs> What song's this? Is it like a run to you or something, isn't it? Or... Oh. Is this love? Oh. Well, what is is this, yes. So, having that kind of re repetitive figure on the top with moving bass notes. Stop before the E, don't you? That's quite a good Yeah, so you're, you're finishing on the B string. Yeah. Um, and just, sort of, just say changing the bass notes. But as I often say with people who are looking at songwriting, 
if you have a repetitive melody, and this is no different, but your bass notes are changing, because harmonically it's kind of doing different things as each new chord is implied with the change of bass note, it kind of sounds different. It doesn't sound the same. Or you can kind of keep the melody changing or follow the chords or go against them or whatever. But it's, it's, it's quite a, a trait of Joe Satriani's playing that he, he tries to use some interesting, sort of harmonically interesting alternatives. So, shall we look at legato? Yes, please. That sounds great. Yeah. Would you like a demonstration of legato? Yeah. So now that we've kind of had a little look at the rhythm, we're going to have a look at the lead playing side of things. Uh, we're going to look at legato, as we said in the beginning. So let's define for our listeners who are maybe not quite so au fait, what legato means. As most are aware, there's various, I believe they're Latin, Italian, yeah, things that yeah. appear in music, you know, piano forte and... Adagio, Adagio, Staccato. Legato means smoothly. Right. So if you're looking at a set of notes, you'll often see sort of umbrellas over the top of the notes. That's a kind of curved line, um, as opposed to a slide, which would be a straight line. And this would also apply to guitar tab. You know, if you see a bunch of notes with a sort of a kind of umbrella over the top of them, Usually that means they're not being picked individually. Uh, legato feel for an entire line or whatever. Okay. And that would apply to tapping as well. We usually do that for tapping too. If something was slid from note to note, we would see a straight line going up or going down. As you go to a higher note or adversely to a lower note. For guitarists, what it basically means is the picking side of things. Like us plucking the first string and putting the fingers down. <laughs> So very different sounds. Plucking, legato, or sliding. Each yeah. has their own charm, but we are going to look at legato. Okay. Now, I want to define as well legato from good old-fashioned hammering on and pulling off. There are times when that sort of works quite well. Um, I think it was Alan Holdsworth who actually sort of said he... He hated the what he called the, the meowing sound that you get when you pull a note off, because obviously as you pull away, you pull the note slightly sharp. You just about hear that there. Yeah. Whereas legato, in its truest sense of the word, we usually see it as a number of little hammers. So So yep. each finger is individually hammering down the note. Now, the tricky thing with this is we're, we're going to be asked to hammer from nowhere. Yep. Often it's a little bit easier going up because the notes behind us maybe have been pressed down already and maybe plucked once as well. So that's going to lower the string. That's going to make it easier to hammer down. Yeah. Gotcha. Because it's already lowered by your first finger. So you might pluck the first line, first note in the line, or you might just hammer out of nowhere. Because probably when you're really going for it, when your legato is really up to speed, you're going to be wanting to just sort of place the fingers on the board and go for it. You could almost 
view it, I suppose, like if you pluck at the beginning, you can like look at it like stabilizers in a way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like getting you where you want to go and it's giving you a little helping hand without ruining the sound. <laughs> the fifth the seventh and the ninth on the middle two strings you notice when you're pulling pulling off and hammering on the first finger has quite a static motion whereas yeah. when you're actually hammering on with it it's got to be active it's got to be hammering <laughs> Explain this to those that are listening in, it's so a they... bit more accurate as well. <laughs> so we were using the fifth, the seventh, and the ninth frets of the D and the G string, just literally going up those six notes, coming back down them. Yep. Now the first thing was to sort of pluck maybe this the fifth fret on each string as we begin each string, yep. just to kind of get the notes going. <laughs> creates a nice powerful legato-y sounding lick but it's not as smooth as hammering from nowhere now the thing when you pick is you can cover those strings quite nicely it's a lot harder when you're hammering from nowhere so what I mean by hammering from nowhere is that first finger is not in situ there and being plucked that note on the fifth fret of the D string it's actually hammering down on that open string. Yeah. Which in itself creates a degree of noise. That's why sometimes it can be easier to maybe sort of cover those lower strings with your picking hand and start with maybe a fretted note. Yeah. My idea to maybe do a demonstration. Let's do a demonstration. Yeah. So we're going to start by plucking the first in each line. We're going to pluck the fifth fret on the D. The fifth fret on the G and then the ninth fret on the D coming back. Yep. That works fairly successfully. Now we're going to hammer out of nowhere. clean it up and you get a look at one of these yep now these things are called fret wraps kids they're funky fret wraps they're outrageously overpriced for what they are which is a bit of expandable neoprene rubber you can use this as a mute it means if you're doing legato where you're hammering out of nowhere or anything similar to that it works pretty well. Right. So we're going to play along with this track and I'm going to play some legato lines over it and some melodic lines and we'll see how we get on. Okay? Here we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
you very much, Dan. Loads to work on. <laughs> no problem. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Yeah.